For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, y'all? We are here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Got the QB1 as always, Jalen Whitlow. My name is Vinny Hardy. I got AG Aaron Gershon is under the weather. Got that stomach bug that's got that grip on him right now. So AG, man, rest up and uh, we'll be happy to have you back next week on the episode. You get your full strength back, man. I know he was he was trying to go to Oxford for the basketball game and saw that he tweeted out he wasn't making that. So get your rest and yeah, the old folks, man, I don't know about y'all, but when the stomach bug going around, everybody say drink that grape juice, that, that straight up Concord grape juice supposed to help fight that off. So I don't know if it, once you shake, I don't know if it helps you when you, when you sick, but it's supposed to help you not get the stomach bug. So right. when you get healthy, AG, and you hear the stomach bug going around, drink some grape juice, maybe that'll keep you from getting it as bad. Maybe I'm the only one that I'm older than y'all. Maybe y'all don't know about that. But I'm the older Yeah, I never heard I never heard that one. Well, I'm sure there's some truth to it though. I wouldn't I wouldn't discount it. We do have a guest with us though, and appreciate you getting this former cat on here, man, Jalen. We got the safety, man. Tell us who we got. We got a defensive guy. Tell us who we got on here tonight, man. Yeah, we got you know, one of my guys who, you know, um, Played with us, you know. I was I played with him for two years. Obviously, I was there for two years. You're, you're older than I am. Um, Ashley Lowry, uh, number five, you know, was on the team when, you know, a lot of people think was kind of the turnaround. Um, was you know when Kentucky beat us, South Carolina, at Kentucky. I think that was 2014. Um, you know, started safety for what three years, four years, maybe how many years did you start? Uh, three years. Three, three years. years. Started say three years. Uh, big safety. You know, I remember when I got on campus, I, I thought he was a linebacker. You know what I'm saying? I was I was coming from high school, and I wasn't used to seeing, you know, 6'2", 200 pounds, 205 pounds, 210 pounds. Uh, wasn't used to seeing that, that size, that safety necessarily. Uh, we had one guy on our team in high school who was pretty big. He's actually playing in, uh, in Canada right now. Derek Moncrief played at Auburn. But um, – I wasn't really used to seeing that, you know, when I remember getting on campus, I was like, man, he, you know, good size outside linebacker. And I was like, we got out there, we got out there for, uh, we were running routes and doing 707. I was like, man, he is safe. I was like, man, okay, this is, uh, you know, we, def- we definitely SEC ball now. But, you know, good dude, uh, you know, always was, uh, you know, always a stand-up dude, good guy, you know, good teammate, um, you know, everybody liked him. So, uh, you know, I thought it was a good guy to, to get on the get on the show and, and and talk some some wildcat football, talk some uh just football in general, talk some recruiting, talk all of the good stuff, man. And especially what he got uh you know 
people that he know who's coming to the University of Kentucky to play football. I thought he was a good person to get on. So, uh, yep, Ashley Lowry, man. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. I appreciate it. No problem, bro. Absolutely, man, for sure. <clears throat> so we were talking before we got on, man. Got got tons of talk about. Got to talk about your time in Kentucky. We got we got signing day stuff. We got recruits flipping to Kentucky, which a lot of times, you know, squads would come in and, and take guys from, from Kentucky, but now Kentucky getting guys to flip to them. So that's a good change. Um, we got a certain – Super Bowl winning quarterback that announced retirement. We got to talk about a bunch of stuff. So, man, wherever y'all want to hit, man, Jalen, Ashley, we just go along and and, and hit all these topics, man. But we'll just dive right into it. Yeah, man, I think, uh, you know, like kind of like you just said, with, you know, and again, me and Ashley, we were at Kentucky when, you know, Stoops first, you know, he got there, brought his staff and Coach Morrow and all of those guys. And we knew it was going to be a change. Uh, things were going to probably change for the better because we, I mean, couldn't get much worse uh, than where we were at that time. Uh, uh, but at the same time, um, we knew that he was coming in from Florida State. He had a name behind him. So recruiting immediately uh, picked up. And I, I remember, uh, I remember, you know, obviously me being a quarterback, only one quarterback plays. So I remember, you know, when Stu got to Kentucky, you know, I kept hearing quarterback names who were like three and four star kids who everybody knew about uh, across the country that were coming to Kentucky, visiting, talking about going to Kentucky. So that that definitely kind of changed the urgency in the weight room, changed the urgency in the offseason. But now he kind of, you know, the development of everything, the development of recruiting. Now we had a point where they still in players, uh, still in four star guys on signing day. Um, you know, it's just amazing how far you know, things have come, but I would, you know, from the guys who were in the program, we probably expected this, you know, as far as eventually things were going to get to that. So that's just how I feel about it, man. It's, it's, it's exciting to see because I think um, we know that the SEC is a, is a trench game. You got to have guys up front, offensive line, defensive linemen, quarterbacks are cool, you know, running backs, receivers are cool, you know, corners and safeties are cool. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to stop Georgia from running the ball down your throat. You got to be able to stop, you know, Alabama from running. I mean, that's just what it is. So uh, I thought it was cool to see, man. Cool to see, you know, a couple top-notch guys up front commit to Kentucky and, and kind of help uh, beef up those trenches. For sure. <clears throat> For sure, man. What was your thoughts on that? Uh, Ashley said in the Purdue kid flip. Yeah, man, I uh, like I agree one hundred percent with what Jasmine said. Like I, uh, I mean, we knew when that when those that coaching staff came in, they like their the motto that was going around was get uncomfortable, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know. And that was just the thing. Like everything we do is gonna be different. We're holding ourselves to a higher standard. Like don't be comfortable with anything. Everybody's positions available, you know. We're we're looking for players. We're looking for dogs and. They were, like they came in with the with the mindset of they're gonna change the culture. And I mean, I think we all can agree that they they've done just that. Like with the being able to pull recruits here and there, like and get guys to flip certain places. I mean, I think it's it's benefited a lot for, you know, us as former players and, you know, 
you know, alumni of the school in in our favor. And I'm, you know, I'm from Georgia and Jalen's from Alabama. So Jalen, you know, has, you know, the Auburn, Alabama. He, you know, he could have, could have easily went to one of those things and probably played a different position. And I mean, like with me being from Georgia, people are like, oh, why do you, you still cheer for Kentucky? I'm like, yeah, that's my school. Like, I would never, you know, go somewhere. I've spent four or four and a half years up there. And now you expect me to flip on my school. Like, no, nah, that ain't how I roll. I'm on, I'm Kentucky till I die. That's it. So, I mean, I'm glad my cousin decided that's where he wanted to come to school. Even, you know, he, he ain't even on full full scholarship right now. But I'm like, hey, if you, you built a relationship with those coaches over the past couple of years and he's talked to them, he feels like – it's something he can do. He can play. He's up for the test. So I'm like, go for it, man. It's fun. You know, I'm in your corner, and I'll be up there. So. And this is this is the Darius Cannon kid. That's your cousin, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And he's committed, what, yesterday? In addition, in the flip we talked about was Kendrick Gilbert from Purdue, from Indianapolis, which is right by Purdue, West Lafayette. That ain't nowhere from Indy. And then – your uh your cousin Darius Cannon did he did he get any advice or ask you about your time when, as he was making his decision you know well I mean process? we we uh we we've been up there a couple different times together like I said uh you know before before we got on the show I I came up with him going into his junior year of high school, we went up to camp. We went to a few different camps. We went to Marshall, West Virginia, Kentucky, uh, Clemson. We went to South Carolina, Alabama. We, I mean, we, there was a lot of camps we went to that summer just trying to get him out there and get his name out because, I mean, we felt like he wasn't getting the push that he needed from the coaching staff where he was. And then not only that, it was just like, the team wasn't as good as, you know, they were the previous years. So we thought maybe getting them out on the circuit and going to camps and stuff, he'd get seen and get noticed. And, I mean, while we were there, he was able to get noticed. I talked to a bunch of the form, you know, the coaches and stuff myself, and they told me they liked him. We went through, you know, put on the gear, did all that kind of stuff, you know, like a recruit would and, you know, and then and pretty much turned into all up. And there he kept in touch with Coach Woody from then all the way, you know, leading up to now. And Coach Woody, you know, been completely honest with him. He told him, you know, hey, you might come in and you might come in and surprise some people and, and get on the field early or it might take a year or two. But, I mean, he's up for the challenge. And, like, I told him I'm there regardless. I'm always coming back for a game or two a year. So, I mean, he knows he got me in this morning. So, what was that like for you, flashing back to your time when you were, you know, making your decision like he is now? You being from Georgia and, you know, Kentucky's profile, like Jalen mentioned, it wasn't what it is now back for you. And you're down there with Georgia and and uh, Georgia Tech and, you know, Alabama right next door and you know, Florida right down south. What was it about Kentucky that, you know, drew you to come up north when you were making your decision on where to commit to? Me, it was just one of those, like, I had a, I don't know if y'all remember Coach Nord. He was at yep. 
he he actually started recruiting me, and he was next door in that in that nasty red at Louisville, <laughs> and he he started recruiting me there. I didn't really have interest in Louisville. Like it felt like when I went to a game, it felt like it was a high school atmosphere kind of thing. So we left about halftime in the Louisville game, and uh, before I knew it, he was at Illinois. Well, then I came, then came the offer from Illinois. Well, then I hadn't heard from him for a couple of weeks, and I'm like, oh man, something, something crazy happened. And I wasn't, I wasn't too high on Illinois because I'm like, yo, that's far away from home, and it's snow all the time. I ain't, I ain't with that. My mom then we're gonna have to fly to the games, and she wasn't with flying. So then, next thing you know, I went to, uh, I think we were at a seven on seven or some kind of team camp my, going into my senior year. And uh, I got home from the camp and got in the shower, and my friend's mom came in, and she was like, hey, uh, Coach Nord's on the phone and wants to talk to you. And it was, he was at Kentucky at that time, and he they called and offered me on the spot. And I, uh, I tried to accept then, and they told me I couldn't accept then that I had to come see the school, and I had to make sure my mom approved of it. And at that point, that's when I kind of knew, like, this is that's home because – Ain't nobody else gonna sit there and look out for people like that. Not not a seventeen year old kid that's you know jumping at the biggest thing coming to him. You know, so I just thought that was that was nice. I get the Hennessy margarita. Yeah, so I mean, I thought that was a big thing and it was cool. So yeah, yeah, that's that's good stuff, man. Like you said, and oh. So mom approved of it when when she was it was nervousness to see what she was gonna think or was she yeah gonna... I bet I bet that shower was the quickest shower you ever took. <laughs> well, I mean, I I was I don't know, man. It was crazy, but uh, so I, when I went up there the first time, I didn't even my mom didn't go. I went with my my best friend. It's like my second dad mentor kind of like I went with him, his wife, and and their. Uh, their son, we all went up there together, and their son was two years older than me, and he was in college at Georgia. Cause, I mean, he's just super smart. Like, he was crazy smart, and he always has been. So he he actually passed up, like, going to Furman and schools like that just to go to, just to, go to school and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, man, they took me up there, and even when I was up there, <laughs> I uh, – Try, I try to go ahead and tell them like, yeah, I'm coming here for sure. Like, I like the people, I like y'all as coaches, and I, you know, everything. I just, I liked everything about it. They were still like, no, we got to talk to your mom. Like, so I called my mom, and she, I mean, I think she didn't really know what to think because she ain't never been there, and she's looking at it like I'm her youngest son, so she's thinking like my baby boy trying to move states and go to school in Kentucky. That's like seven hours away, and I mean, I think once she got to go up there and she met all the coaches and the coaches were coming into town and meeting at the school and, you know, going out to lunch and that kind of stuff, man, she, I think it kind of, you know, it, it, she warmed up to it good enough to the point where she, she was okay and she was fine and she knew I would be, you know, in good hands. And even, like, I think a big thing for me, too, was uh, Miss Barb, man. Miss Barb, she she was great, man. Like, uh. I remember my freshman year going into the 
before the spring game, it was right before the spring game, I got a phone call at like five something in the morning. My dad had passed away. And man, when when Barb found out about that, y'all, she she took me under her wing and took care of me for it felt like a week, but in reality it was <laughs> it was the whole time I was there. And and even coach like I said, Coach Nord, he came and picked me up from my dorm that night once you know everything was over with football wise and you know, I went and hung out at his house and we just hung out and talked and talked life and all that kind of stuff. So I mean that's the kind of relationship that I had with people in Kentucky, and that's that's what it's all about. I mean, outside of football and the school, and that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's you know, I didn't know all you know, I didn't even know all that. So uh, you know, that that's that's what's up, man. I remember, I definitely remember Coach Nord. You know, obviously, you know, I was only there for one year with Coach Nord. Uh, he was under the Joker staff or, or Coach Joker staff. So, um, I, I you know, I definitely remember him kind of vaguely uh, in that year because my whole freshman year was a blur, man. You know how that thing go. First year, you just, you know, it's just going by so fast, especially, you know, you're trying to get on the field. You got, you know, six classes you got to take. I mean, it's just, you know how it is. Um, But, yeah, hey, talk to him about, um, you know, talk to him about, you know, kind of, you know, the whole, uh, you know, recruiting, not recruiting experience for you, but the whole – recruiting experience for what kids you know and you kind of did touch on it briefly but what do kids exactly get drawn to when they come to lexington outside of like you know stoops and you know the whole football thing what they got going on now talk to the people about you know as a put your you know just help put the audience in the recruiter shoe or uh, the recruitee shoes and say okay coming to lexington this is the first thing you see especially coming from a state like alabama georgia uh, you know, or Florida or somewhere that, you know, growing up, we didn't really, you know, you from Georgia. So all you heard was Georgia football I'm from Alabama. All I heard was Alabama, Auburn, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, LSU and, and Tennessee. And, and, you know, we don't really, where we're from, we don't really hear about Kentucky like that. We'll see them on TV sometimes, but talk, kind of talk to them about, you know, because I know how it is, you know, obviously going to Kentucky and spending two years there and being a, you know, a recruiter or whatnot, but, Kind of talk to them about, you know, when they get on, when they get into Lexington, like how how different it could be. For me, which I'm just, I'm a a football guy. So I used to, I saw Kentucky games beforehand. So I, you know, Jared Lorenzen, Shane Boyd, uh, Stevie Johnson, I was a big time Randall Cobb fan. I mean, big time Randall Cobb fan. Uh, so, Derek Locke. I was at the game uh, in Athens actually when when Kentucky when Kentucky up, upset Georgia. I was there, and Derek Locke busted a. I want to say it was a 60, 61 yarder down the sideline, and it was. I mean, that place just. They were stunned, like that. It was that was happening, but I, I mean, so for me, like I kind of knew about it, about Kentucky. I didn't know what to expect because I was like, like she said, I, I was from Georgia, so all my recruiting visits that I went on were in Athens. I was 35, 40 minutes away from home. Uh, they had, you know, their, their, uh, their facilities and stuff, second to none. So 
it's like, dang, where where you gonna find that's gonna match this? So I I had been all around. I went to Bandy. I went to um, Tennessee. I I had been to Alabama on a on a, like a thing with quarterbacks, and I was the only defensive back there. It was kind of it was different. But my head coach was that kind of guy. That he would push, push, push because he wanted. He knew he could get kids out and. He knew that if the coaches would take a chance, then he he could prove them wrong. So uh, I had been multiple different places on recruiting visits and whatnot, but Lexington was just one of those, you know, you pull into, you get into Lexington, you get into Kentucky in general, and it's just, it's different. It's beautiful, it's flat, you know, you got your horse swarms everywhere. Uh, you know, they take you, that's part of their recruiting now you know they'll take you out to the horse swarm out to Keeneland and show you all that and then you got to your airports right across the street from Keeneland uh, I mean for me I can be honest for me it took all about once I hit Malone <laughs> I knew I was like yeah I'm coming here like, that, that spot was so good I was like yo I, it's still my favorite spot I still if I'm, I'm in Lexington I'm going to Malone yeah, I mean, it's just that's just me, but <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I just, I mean, I was like, obviously now it's a lot nicer than it was when we were there. But I mean, for for where we were coming from, like I'm from Cleveland, Georgia, man. Ain't ain't nothing here. When I grew up here, I think we had three red lights in the whole town. Now, you know, it's they, we got a Walmart when I was seventeen years old. You know, so, you know, you get to Lexington and you got Walmart, Target, you got Hobby Lobby, you got a mall that's right there handy for you. You know, you got restaurants out the wazoo all over the place. And then just you everywhere you go, you meet new people and building different relationships with people. I mean, even in the, in the classroom, on the field, tutors, you know, no matter where you went, it was like, you know, people looked up to you, people were nice to you, and just, they always speak, and, you know, it's easy to, you know, try to turn a, a cold shoulder on somebody, but, you know, people would openly speak to you and genuinely ask how you're doing and, you know, stuff like that, because, I mean, people just cared about you, so that's, I mean, that was a big thing for me, too. That's still, that's still the case, you you Listen to you know sports shows in Lexington when you know Vince Merrill's on, and he's still you know 12, 12, 13 years later talking about how nice the people are, and how that plays a role when recruits are there. He'll mention that almost every time. The people here are just so nice. The people are so nice, and I mean, you can't go wrong with Malone's. I mean, we all we all know what I mean. It's good food every time. You can't go wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know, one of the things definitely Malone's. Um, but one of the things for me when I got to Lexington was uh, you know, was was just you know, it was different, and I, it and a lot of people may not like, but it we from like the deep south, so you know, I'm from Alabama, man. I'm from Montgomery, so Lexington didn't necessarily feel like the south from what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. It's the South from what they're used to, but not from what I'm used to, you know. Uh, so when I got there, it was a 
definitely a culture shock. But obviously, you get insulated. You get insulated with te- your teammates, your coaches, your friends, all that stuff. But I think the biggest thing was. Uh, I tell tell people all the time, you know, it was nothing like going into that stadium and and, and seeing that grass, playing on the grass. Like, I don't know what they do to that grass or what they used to do, uh, you know, to prep it for the games. But, um, you know, I wish those players there now got a chance to really, like, see that, you know, game day grass in September. And, I, you know, maybe it was just me, but I've always been like, super like finicky about like how does the how does the grass look in the stadium because i remember going to illinois and the grass looks so much different we played on turf but there's schools up there with grass and it just looks different in alabama at my home my high school stadium we played on turf and i remember going to kentucky and i was like okay we i finally get to play on grass and it was like you know they whatever they do to that grass is unbelievable man uh or what they used to do Bluegrass uh, State, man. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> I was like, it, it was so, it was so soft and like just, I don't know. I, I'm surprised. It shocked me when they went away from that, man. Mm. It shocked me when they went to the turf, and I know why they did it, but uh, that was kind of shocking when I found that out. You know, I was like, okay, I can't believe they going to turf. You know, in the Bluegrass State, but I, I just, you know, it's just stuff like that, man. That you know, and like, yeah, we're actually saying people definitely, you know, they take care of you. You know, they, you know, ask how you're doing and all of that good stuff. And people who, you know, super interested in, in, the, in the sports programs and, you know, fans want to know how you're doing and all of that stuff. But, you know, it definitely sticks out. It definitely, you know, and one of the things that uh, Devin Leary said, I saw his interview was, you know, everybody around there is wearing Kentucky gear. And he's coming from NC State where I'm sure people in his area were wearing Duke, Wake Forest, North Carolina, NC State, everybody. And, and you know he come to Kentucky and everybody has on Kentucky stuff. You walk in the mall, it's like it's it's just blue. So um, you know that that's what it is. It's a good place to be. Uh, you know a lot of guys, you know they finish college and they stay in Lexington for a reason, man. It's it's you know it's a cool place to be. Yeah. Now y'all mentioned the spring game earlier too. So let me get y'all thoughts. And we we talked about it last week, Jalen, before we start recording. I think you and I and Aaron, but. You guys are players. There's no spring game this year. I think it's for the third time in four years they haven't had one because they are replacing the turf that we just talked about. So as a player, do you look forward to the spring game when you're going through spring practice or does it not matter that there's not a spring game? They're going to have some open practice for the fans. Where you guys come out on that when you are, are grinding through the spring practice, do you want to have a spring game to kind of be the cherry on the end of practice, or do you like, hey, ain't no spring game, ain't no thing? Actually, I'll let you take that one first, bro. I mean, I feel like it was it was something that we looked forward to, for sure, to, uh, you know, just to kind of get back ready for the season. We, you know, off season, you get in the workouts and you start, you win the weight room with conditioning. You know, you grind and putting your body through so much and you're, you're changing. Your body's changing through the off season, and it's like, you know, you get to the to the spring, and it starts up, and you're going through these practices. So it could be, I mean, I I want to say it was different for us because when when coach when coach Joker and them were there, I think we were having practice at like seven in the morning, yeah. so we'd have to be over at the facilities at like six something. We'd have meetings and films, 
where we would work out and then we'd be out on the field. And it was early. It'd be cold some morning, some mornings not. So we'd we'd have to utilize the indoor facility. So we'd be back and forth. Either we could be on the field or we'd have to bus over to the indoor. But then uh, I think once Stoops and them got there, kind of switched it up and we started practicing in the afternoons and kind of did away with the morning stuff because they were they were hard on the like they wanted us to to rent to get the proper rest they wanted us to eat the proper stuff like so when we uh went to training table it was kind of thing like we went to training table and uh when we went you either had you you checked in you had coaches there and uh what was our – oh, my goodness, I'm drawing a blank. What's the name that that ran the nutrition and stuff for oh, us? Oh, Miss Monica. Yeah. So, I mean, Miss Monica was there, and she, she'd come by, and she'd be like, well, you ain't got this on your plate, or you ain't got this or that on your plate. So, she was she was checking and making sure, like, your plate didn't look right to her. She was going to write it down and let you know. So, if you cramped up at practice or this or that happened, they knew why. And – I mean, they, they, it was just a different environment once that staff took over for us. But I mean, the spring game was just always like we had it every year we were there. It was just one of those things you look forward to. And it was one of those like you could have your family and friends come and, and you knew everybody was coming up. You might not have seen them in the wild because it's the spring and, uh, you know, everybody come up and just it was a good time. You'd hang out. You know, just like a, just to see everybody again, and then you get back out on the field, and now you knew it was that this the last thing we're gonna do, and then we're going back into the summer grind to get ready for the for the actual season. So we're gonna show y'all what we look like now, but then we also got three more months that we're gonna grind it out and get better and change our bodies and and you know come together as a team, and then and you know late. August, early September, we're gonna put it all out there for y'all to see. Yeah. yeah, and what I was gonna, you know, I think I've only only I've only been a part of one spring game in my four years of playing in college, and that one came, you know, the first spring that you know that new staff, you know, got to Kentucky, uh, because I you remember I, I announced that I was transferring, you know, during spring that next year, following yeah. my sophomore year. But I think the biggest thing was, for me, um, was, you know, that was the... Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. First spring that they had, they ever had that amount of people at a spring game because everybody yeah. was excited to see, you know, stoops and everything. You know, new staff, new energy. Everybody was excited to see that. So I never forget the spring game kind of felt like a little game in a way because, you know, obviously quarterbacks, we were all fighting for one spot, you know, so that put a little extra juice on it. Um, and then we had a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of people came out to see it. Um, so I think it, it kind of made it a little bit different, especially that first spring um, for that. So, you know, definitely players look forward to it because they want to see you know, fans in the stands. Most coaches look forward to it too because they know that they can get a little bit more out of it when we got fans in the stands. And also you can see what, you know, you can see some players don't perform well when there's more, you know, uh, stakes put on it and some players perform even better. So, you know, they want to see guys in that situation. They want to see what happens. They want to be able to show the fans, okay, this is what we're rocking with this year, you know, so-and-so at quarterback, so-and-so here. Uh, It's it's kind of like an opener, uh, kind of like an opening night per se, and that's how they did it. We we played – our spring game was in the evening because we – I remember we finished up at night that first spring. So it was kind of like an opener. Fans get to see, okay, this is what we're doing on offense. You know, schematically we changed on both sides of the ball. Um, So, you know, they were – fans were able to see that. And they were able to see, you know, at that time, four quarterbacks who were compete for four spot. Um, me, you know, Max, Toes, and Reese. So they were able to see that. And, you know, and I think the players enjoy it. The players enjoy that because they get a chance to play in front of fans. And usually some type of stakes put on the game. Uh, it's like offense versus defense or they break the teams up. And, you know, winner gets, you know, steak dinner, loser get a hot dog, whatever it may be. And I think it make it a little bit more fun. Yeah. You talked about Jalen Ashley's the size when you, you saw how big he was, you realized, okay, we're in the SEC now because you thought he was a linebacker, but he was playing safety. So Ashley, was there ever a point in time where you, you were like, Well, maybe maybe I I wouldn't mind moving up and playing some linebacker? I'm 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 pretty big for a safety. Let me let me jump in there as a linebacker, or you always prefer being safety? There was a point. Uh so I'm being honest, so going into my freshman year, you know, we got there during the summer, and they was like, protein, protein, protein. So, I, like, I had my mini fridge in my dorm room through the summer was stocked with nothing but protein shakes, the little Gatorade protein shakes they were giving us. And I, uh, I, got, I got up from, like, two – I think I got on campus at, like, 205, 206. I was 230 come, uh, come the fall. Before we started camp, and I was like, "Yo, I can't move. I couldn't move at that weight." So I'm like, "Man, this ain't for me." So I had to, I quit drinking the protein shakes altogether. I just like, no, I can't keep drinking these because I'm drinking them in class. I'm drinking them in tutors, and I'm sitting there and I'm not like being active or doing anything when I'm drinking them. So I'm like, "Man, I just need to give these protein shakes up." So I did, and my weight dropped back. So I, I think my freshman year I was two twelve. And I'm and I was fine with that, but you know my role was I was more of a special teams guy. I played on them like all the special teams for the most part, and then 
uh, as the season went on, I started to get more and more playing time and safety. So then going into the spring the next year, like, uh, I kind of knew, like, I know the playbook, you know, just work on this and that. And so for me, uh, I had a different position coach every year that I was in college. I don't know if a lot of people know that. So every year I was there, I had a different position coach. So my freshman year, I had coach Steve Brown. My sophomore year, I had coach uh, Mike Cassidy. I had coach Pivato my junior year. And my senior year, I had coach Niver, Craig Niver. And, uh, I mean, it, it turned into one of those things where you're – you're having to understand what each coach looks for in order to get yourself on the field or to be able to, you know, make this coach happy because every coach wants something different. And I think at a point where you, you kind of understand what you have to give and put out there for this coach to, to, to realize that, okay, this dude's serious or this dude needs to be playing it. It's, I mean, it's different. Like I said, it's different for every coach, but you got to kind of just put it in your head. Like, it don't matter. Whatever they need, I got to be able to do, and I got to do it to the best of my ability. And that's kind of what I I did. I knew the playbook. I, you know, wasn't the fastest person on the field, but if it came down to it, they knew I was going to run somebody down or I would fill a gap and make a tackle. And I mean, that made a big difference in. You know, playing time, I feel like, because there were guys that maybe were better than me or more athletic, but they didn't know the playbook or they wouldn't come downhill and stick their neck in there, you know, put their head in there and stick their neck out. And I'm, I wasn't scared to do it. I, I was just playing ball. It was, you know, something I'd always done. You're just on a different level, so. Excellent. Go ahead, everybody. No, no, you got it. Okay. Oh, so your your thoughts, man, on the defense now? You it was a, it was DJ Elliott, the DC, when you were there. Yeah, he was. Now we have you know Matt House and Brad White, and your thoughts on you know the defense in the years since you've uh, left UK, um, and thoughts on the safeties that have come behind you. You know the Mike Edwards and the you know Vito Tisdale's and the guys that are in there now. Your thoughts on all of everything that's kind of taking place since you I mean well you can't help but love Mike. I mean Mike was he was there, he came in my senior year. He redshirted. I think he had had a shoulder surgery coming out of high school. So, you know, he redshirted and I mean you couldn't help but to love the kid, man. He was a, a really good kid, soft spoke and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't cocky. He just and it was like once he got the opportunity, he went out there and showed people, like, this is who I am. This is what I do. And he continues to, you know, do it in the NFL. I, I feel like they kind of – like he's an underdog kind of in the NFL because of the guys around him or the team that he's on. And he still goes out there every week and, and puts it on the line for his team. And, I mean, you, you can't help but to love him. Uh, Darius West, he was also – they, they came in together, and Darius, it was unfortunate because I loved him, man. He's a heck of a player. Uh, 
hard nosed, love to come downhill and just make hits. And uh, I think it was we were in practice and he ran in on a blitz my senior year. And he, I think he got hit in that leg, one of his legs, like his leg broke again. And I think it was the third time that he had surgery on it. And I mean, you, he bounced back from it. Like the kids had surgery on that leg again. And he never skipped a beat. He came right back. And I want the next year, I want to say he was starting at safety. So I'm like, man, that's, and then uh, like those cats now, man, they just, they play fast, they play physical, and and they expect to win more than anything. They go out there and compete and expect to win, and I think that's a big thing. Like, for us, like, there was, you know, stages where, like, we go out there and it, I want to know, my junior year, we were playing, we were about to go play Alabama, and it was the year, so Jalen, you were still there. It was uh, the year Alabama hadn't, I want to say for six games, they hadn't let anybody cross the 50-yard line. And people were like, oh, you know, and our, our offensive guys are out there like, we're going to do more across the 50. We're going to score and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, yo, like, I understand, like, the confidence and stuff, but don't – I'm I'm not the kind of guy that I'm going to go out and talk it. I'm just going to go out and play. You know, I'm going to go play and be about that. I don't need to go out and talk about it, put it out in the media. Because once you go talk about it and put it out in the media, now you've lit a fire. And at that point, the team's going to play harder or they got something to prove. And, I mean, in the beginning of the game, we, we came out and we made some stops defensively. We forced fumbles, you know, got the ball. We had the ball rolling kind of our way. And sure enough, for them, they ain't let nobody cross the 50 in six games. It ain't happening here either. And we didn't get – I think – well, yeah, we did. I think they beat us 49-7. to seven, But it was – for, you know, two and a half quarters, we sat there and showed that we could play with, with the best team in the country. Uh, my freshman year, we went down to LSU. It was much of the same. Like, they, they still had Honey Badger at that point in time, and we went out and showed for three and a, two and a half quarters you could play with the best team in the country. They were number one then. And my senior year, we went back to LSU, and it was much of the same thing, but – I think the score was a lot closer, but they had Fournette, and Fournette didn't beat us. It was it was the third and fourth string running backs that came out. We had like we had Fournette's number. Every time he touched the ball, we were there, and it was almost instant. But I mean, these kids they got now, man, they're they're a lot like we were. They're kids. They love the game. They they want to be there. They, you know, and they're they're ready. They're trying to provide for their family. And and, and that's that's the go, end goal for, I feel like, every college athlete. They're trying to set their family up for, for a lifetime of success. And, I mean, now with the NIL deal, I feel like you don't even – at this point, you don't have to go to the NFL. You don't have to make it because – you, if you can make it to college and you can get you a good NIL deal, you, you're setting yourself up there. Yeah. For us, we, we, for us, it was it was league or nothing, and and that's how we were thinking then. But in the reality of it, 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 it ain't like that because, like, I'm out here and I'm I have my own training facility and I work, you know, at a school, and I feel like I still have a lot of time on my hands at the end of the day, like, but I'm doing stuff that I love to do. 
Like, I, I love helping these kids. I love working with these kids and try to help these kids get to the next level. I can't tell you how many times I was in the locker room as a coach at my old high school and kids say, there's no shot that we're going D1 and we can do this or that. And I would be standing there like, yo, I went to the same school. I did all this stuff that y'all are talking about. So I don't get how you can just go ahead and make it seem like it's impossible when I've done it, you know. But when I was in South Georgia as a coach, I never heard that talk. Like, those kids were fighting, 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 like tooth and nail for a way out. They wanted to get out of there. And they were like, if I get out, I'm not looking back because if you stayed down in South Georgia long, you're going to jail or you're going to end up dead. And those kids understood that. And, I mean, y'all know the name Rashad Bateman. He went to Minnesota. He – he didn't – I mean, he played for two and a half years at Minnesota and got drafted in the first round by the Ravens two years ago. And, I mean, he was at Tiff County when I was down there in South Georgia, and that kid was unbelievable. But it was just to the point where he, he kind of knew, like, this is something I'm good at. And he took a chance on uh, P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck took a chance on him, and it worked out in his favor. And that, I mean, that's what you build the relationship. You go with it, go through with it, give it your all. And that's what it's all about, man. That, the good things will happen for you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you said something when you, when you were talking about the NIL thing. And me and my brother, we talked about it. I remember when, they, when I got the update or the notification from ESPN app that, you know, they had passed or whatever. So NIL is in place. Uh, I was like, okay, now – if if it's gonna happen like I think it's gonna happen, you're gonna have some guys who have no urgency to go to the NFL. Like you like the guy, what's the kid down there in, uh, at Florida State right now? No urgency to go to the NFL. He was a first round, he was a projected first round draft pick coming back to Florida State. Because these guys are making so much money in college that the urgency to go play pro football isn't there for a lot of them. Now, some of them still have it, but it, a lot of them, you know. Why not stay in college another year, right? No responsibility per se outside of school. Uh, no bills. No, you know. And I and I'm making a lot of money. I'm making more money than ninety nine point nine 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 percent of Americans, and I'm still in college playing college football. So I think that has changed the landscape a lot. Uh, you'll get guys now. You're still gonna have your guys who want to get out of college because they don't like the school. They don't like the structure. They want to be quote unquote you know, kind of like free birds and, and, and be able to, you know, I understand it, go do their own thing, make their money. If they play in pro ball or if they're doing something else, I get it. But that NIL thing has changed a lot, man, because you got guys now who they don't mind staying in college another year. If they're on that bubble where they could potentially be a, a third-round draft pick rather than a first or second, they'll easily come back and play because a lot of times at most of these schools, I think they get opportunities to make to make money, you know, they get opportunities to set themselves up, set their families up. I mean, I was listening to a video the other day about how, uh, what's the running back for Ohio State name, uh, Trey or something like that, uh, uh, number 32, the, the starter. Uh, he was talking about how he already got investment properties. We're talking about sophomores in college, right? And we, when we were in college, nope, I mean, most of the people in college that I knew, 
most of my teammates, most of the people that played on my teams in college didn't even know what an investment property was. Mm -hmm. You know, now you got sophomores and freshmen in college talking about investing their money. So the game has completely changed. It's 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 changed. There's a different it's a different ball game now. So I haven't been to Lexington since 2017. I want to go and just observe at some point and just I want to see what's changed with the student athlete. I really want to do like my own self study. What's changed? I know not much has changed because once they're at football, they're at football. They focus on their team. They focus on getting better. But I want to see from like afar. Can I can I notice any changes? Because I think it's interesting that you know, a, a 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, you know, young man, uh, you know, with that much of uh, you know amount of youth can make that much money and and also still play football and do the things he want to do. So I, I think it's interesting. I think the game has completely changed. Uh, the mindset of the kids has changed. You know, I work with kids who are middle school. They're already talking about you know, creating a logo. So they when they get to high school and get recruited, that they can make sure that their logo is seen. These are these are how 13 and 14 year old kids are talking now. So um it, it, it you know it's it's really, really interesting to see. Uh it really is. So Jalen, you played the quarterback, Ashley played safety. So who better to ask y'all from y'all's <laughs> eyes when you're watching games see the NFL, see it in college. Quarterback looks to his left. The broadcaster said to hold the safety in the middle of the field just to come right back and throw a post right behind him just because he can't get back over or whatever the case may be. Uh, Ashley, if a quarterback is looking you off or trying to hold you, do you know in that moment that's what he's doing? Or can you be like, oh, wait a minute, I'm, oh, it's too late? Or what's, what's the cat and mouse between the quarterback and the safety and the look off and the hold? And are there times when he's looking over there you don't even respect it because you know he's trying to go behind you? What's, what's the cat and mouse? What's the chess game that y'all play? I mean, it, it honestly depends on the film. Like, you sit there and you study film, film, film all week, like, for me, I was the kind that if, you know, we're going over something and we ain't got a test, I'm studying this in class too. But if we got notes that we got to take, I'm taking notes. But for me, I was, it was film study, man. And you watch so much film that you kind of pick up on tendencies and all that kind of stuff. And you know what the quarterback's doing, you know, what his reads are, where he likes to go. You know who the favorite receiver is. You know what the favorite receiver likes to do, what routes he likes to run, you know, these things. And, I mean, there's there's times that you know exactly what's going to happen and you go to make a play and then it's like just something just out of nowhere. Like you, you jumped too early or you, you broke too soon or – you know, stuff like that. It's the possibility that that can happen. But then there's this, you you know this is going to happen and you you had the dream about it. You, you know, thought about it for the whole week come, leading into the game and then it happened just how you thought it was. I mean, there's different, different ways of things happening. But on the defensive side of just, I mean, 
it's it's hard to say it's read and react because for us, once we got to a point where we knew the defense and we understood what they were wanting from us and what our jobs were, it became one of those things where you weren't read and react and you you knew what was happening here based off this receiver's release. You knew what was happening based off this receiver's release and and you kind of understood the routes that could be ran at a certain formations and sets and and then you just get out there and play ball because there will be times that you think you're supposed to they think you're supposed to be reading them but you're not reading them you know what i'm saying so i might be reading the number 2 receiver and not the quarterback but it puts me right in the position where i need to be hmm. or this play i'm i'm reading one and based off what one does i'm floating over the top and i'm playing the sky you know i'm playing the sky and now my eyes go back to the quarterback, and he don't see it, and it's too late because once he lets the ball go, I've already broken on it. So, I mean, there's it's different stuff like on the back end, but also Jalen will be able to tell you there's different stuff on on his end that he's gonna read and see. So, yeah, I mean, you know, this this the type of talk I like, man. Uh, you know, but yeah, the biggest thing. You know, typically, would you know where that where, the question that you ask, where that comes from, for you know, just from speaking to fans, when you see you know, or a commentator say he tried to look him off and come back here, a lot of times we're talking about a safety, and a lot of times we're talking about a single field, a single high safety or a middle field close safety, which means there's one safety, and a lot of times we're talking about at the base level, they're talking about like a four verticals concept or two seam routes. Uh, from the two slots and the quarterback's trying to look him one way and hit the other or he got a post or a glance route quarterback's trying to you know hold him for one step and come back on two and three and hit him hit the glance or post on the opposite side of him so that's ba that's typically what they're talking about now it gets a lot deeper than that but you know kind of like what Ashley broke down because his job is you know he could be playing sky it could be he could be the, the weak side safety in a three by one or a one by three and if if number one releases outside, he's coming. He's poaching across, looking for three vertical. If the number one if the number one receiver releases inside, he's gonna pretty much you know double them depending on what your coach teach him. Uh, you know, in some in certain defenses, certain cover four type looks. So it, it's it could be a lot. It's a lot that goes into it. So you know, definitely quarterbacks try to manipulate defenders with their eyes though, and not even just safeties. Like on a deeper level, we try to manipulate linebackers. With our eyes, we try to manipulate. We can manipulate corners with our eyes, um, and I think you know that that's the biggest thing. And that's you know when I got to Kentucky, that's what I found out that obviously players are moving a little bit faster. So you better be good with your eyes um, because if you're not, then it's gonna come back to get you. Um, you know, so that that's what that's what we're talking about when we you know when we see you know or hear commentators or coaches say trying to hold the safety this way and come back this way. You know. There, there's a lot of levels to it because you know safety's responsibilities. You could be trying to hold them one way, and if you don't know what's going on, then you're you're actually not holding them at all. You're actually about to bring them into the concept, uh, you know, based on what his his role is and his responsibilities in that coverage. So it, it, it's a lot that goes into it. Uh, you know, uh, I'm glad the fans are you know are privy to these conversations because they get a chance to hear, you know, kind of from a safety and quarterback perspective what they're seeing. Uh, so, you know, that that's one of the good things about it. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. That's why I had to ask, man. Get just get that perspective from, from both of y'all sides of, of what y'all trying to do to each other. 
you know, the manipulation, the, the cat and mouse, the tricks, the deception, uh, the disguising, uh, the whole, the whole nine on it, man. I had to just ask y'all. Ashley, you said you had a training facility that you have now, so that you run for, that you train kids. Yes, sir. So can we just tell tell the fans, you know, about it. What's the name of it, where it is, or uh, how they can get in contact to bring their kids to you, man. Plug it, plug it for the listeners out here, man. I mean, it's uh, it's just something I kind of I actually had a couple kids my first year back up in. Uh, Cleveland in my hometown come to me in basketball season. And I was helping coach, helping my cousin coach basketball. And they asked me if I could help them, you know, work on football, receiver, defensive back stuff. And and uh, I was like, yeah, man, I've got a problem doing that. And uh, the parents were like, all right, well, what do we pay you? And I was like, don't even worry about it. Like, I'm not – you know, looking for money out of it. Like, I just want to pass down knowledge. I want, you know, kids to be competitive and understand the game. So they were like, no, that's not going to work. You know, we got to pay you. So then, you know, I started uh, working with a couple – it started with two kids. And then it kind of built up, built itself just off word of mouth. And uh, I started having like 20, 30 kids come to the high school right at school and then they were ride, riding the bus shuttling over and I would meet you know meet them up at the high school and uh we would be out on the field doing speed and agility footwork that kind of stuff working hand-eye coordination change of direction you know starts and stances and then uh we kind of expanded it to like it started you know we'd have days where it was raining or just nasty outside or too cold so we would stay inside and do stuff inside and then we started like working on the body so we started some you know weight training and we were you know just working on explosion and power you know power stuff where we're gonna it's gonna help us in our sports as, as you know one thing led to another i got kicked out they told me i couldn't use the school it was you know pretty much like kids that I was coaching were coming. It was like bad, basically bad publicity. It was making it seem like they were paying to play. And I was like, it ain't like that because if you ain't good, I'm going to tell you, I, you can, I can't play you. You gotten better at footwork or you gotten better at this or that, but I can't physically put you on the field and trust that you're going to do what I need you to do. Like I, I'm that kind of honest with my, my players. So they said what they had to say, so I was like, all right. So I got my own place and uh, started renting it or leasing and uh, put some turf in. Mm. It had a little bit of weight stuff already in it. And I, you know, got footballs, got basketballs, tennis balls, just, you know, different stuff that could help, you know, grow the kids athletically and you know, hand-eye coordination-wise, I bought a bunch of hand-eye coordination sticks, got weights and rats and that kind of stuff. And I mean, I just – I've been – March March this year, about mid-March this year will be uh, two full years that I've been doing it myself uh, and 
I mean, it's it's honestly been a blessing. Like, I, I honestly – I gave up coaching. I kind of – I loved doing it. It's something I loved and enjoyed and being around the kids. But then I kind of got to the point where I'm like, I'm coaching stakies and corners at a high school. So, I've got seven to eight players that I'm consistently coaching. Or I could – and then uh, – or I could just – work with the multiple multiple kids in whatever capacity. So I kind of, you know, went with – I bet on myself over the school. And, I mean, it's been the best decision, in my opinion, because I can work with kids Monday through – Monday through Sunday whenever it's beneficial to them. Like, I mean, you just kind of let them know what times work for you and they'll – they fill in the times and – I mean, and it's it's worked out, and that's I've enjoyed doing it. I love doing it, and I mean, and for me, I kind of want to I want to expand, but right now ain't the time to build. So <laughs> I'm just I'm kind of sitting back and just trying to save up. So when when the prices drop, I can I can expand and 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 keep pushing forward. Doing all this to get hometown, so you giving back to Cleveland in the process, right? I mean, I'm getting back to everywhere, guys. For me, I want it. I want it to be competitive all around. I don't want it just to be competitive like we're going out here and blowing teams out. I want the teams we play to have great players and be competitive too. And I mean, to me, I think that's more important because if one team's getting trained and they they have all the answers. And the other team's not, and it's it's not fun because we're gonna play a half of football, and then we're gonna sit our starters and play everybody else. Mm. Well, congratulations on the good start, man, and and uh, passing down knowledge, and I know they are happy to receive it. Based on that, the knowledge. What's some knowledge that you're passing down that maybe? you wish you had had. I had I had George Massey on here. He played D Lyman. He was back when, when Tim Couch was there at Kentucky. Uh, he's from my hometown in southeastern Kentucky. He talked about he wasn't he wasn't knocking the coaching he got, but there was just technique things that, you know, weren't there when he was playing that he wished were in effect when he was playing. So is there anything like that that you're passing this knowledge on that you didn't get when you were playing. You're like, man, I wish I had known this or had been taught this or coached this when I was playing, and you're turning around and giving this knowledge to the young ones coming up now. Look, I'll tell you, I had my my defensive back coach in high school and my wide receiver coach, which I played running back. Running back coach was my head coach. So – Anything you said was wrong if it, if it wasn't matching what he said. So I, I figured that out early. <laughs> but my defensive back coach is still in South Georgia, and he's, in my eyes, a legendary coach in the state of Georgia. Tommy Flowers, this dude, is, he was phenomenal. And every, every game that I played in college, I got a text, the same exact text from him, and it basically was like – he told me, um, 
It was about reading your key, your stance, your alignment, and doing your assignment every game my whole high school career. And he said the same thing my whole college career. And, I mean, he kind of – he went ahead and he put us in the position. He showed me different ways of backpedaling and driving. He showed you different techniques of different things. And, and I had uh, another coach when I was in high school that coached us me at defensive back as well. But – and he – I mean, he – He's pretty much like more kinfolk. So, you know, he he's going to get mad at you here and there. But for the most part, he you know, y'all want to be cool because I can go home and tell mama and mama's going to call him kind of thing. But, man, I just like I had really good coaches, I felt like, in high school that, that set me up. And they, and they let me know, like, in the weight room, out on the field, like, you want to do this or you want to be this, you have to push yourself to this because it ain't just going to happen. And I, I kind of I understood that. So just having the right people in the right places in my life, kind of it kind of benefited me in a, I mean, in the long run because I was able to get there and do what I did there and, and graduate. Now I'm back here and, and I'm trying to help out and give back and put pouring to the kids as much as I can. But I don't kind of, like, it's more for me. I'm out here, and with with my football kids, I'm teaching you football. I'm helping you with, you know, catching, with throwing. Like, and Jalen can, Jalen can chime in because he knows, too. He does the same stuff. But then I have, I have kids that want to work basketball. Well, I played basketball in college. In high school, I ain't played basketball in college, you know. But I can show you things that helped me get through high school basketball-wise and be a kind of player that coaches were sitting here and this is their scouting report. They're, I'm the focus on your scouting report. So I can get you to that point, but you have to be willing to learn and understand and, 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 put, it in, and put it in your game. Because if you're – if you're going to sit here and argue with everything I tell you, it's a waste of both of our time. And that's how I kind of feel about it. But, like, I work with any kid in any sport. Like, I I'm beyond, I had somebody reach out to me about softball the other day. And I'm like, I know. Like, I, I played slow pit softball back in, like, with the church league when I was a kid. But that's it. And they talking about, well, my daughter's a catcher. Can you help her out? And I'm like, well, the only thing I know to do is to stop the ball. Like, you don't want the ball to get past you because you get the ball goes past and then somebody on base, they're going to get a base or they're going to get home and, and get points. And I'm like, man, I'm be honest, I don't know. I can, I can ask people, but I don't know how to do that. I've never done that before in my life. But it can't be harder than covering a body. So what do you got to do when you cover a body? You got to move your feet. You got to move your feet and protect with your hand. We, we use our hands, they use their chest. You got a pad to protect you. We got a pad to protect us. Same thing, same scenario. And I'm just kind of look at it like that. And I kind of build my business off of that. And like, if it's something that I know I can't do, like there's somebody that needs a pitching lesson. I have buddies that play college baseball at Georgia and 
that got drafted into the MLB that I'll I'll shoot, I'll shoot the people their number and say, look, this is who you need to contact because I'm not it. I can't do that. But for the most part, people will come in and they'll, you know, kind of see what's happening because I have groups running throughout the day from 3.30 to about 7.30, 8 o'clock, and they'll just be like, yeah, we'll be here on this day at this time, and we love what you're doing. So, I mean, I think that's a, that's a big thing, and I kind of like, for me, I like building relationships with kids. Every kid is different, and I understand that and know that. And you you build a relationship, and you get to know every kid, and they're all they're they're all different. They all have different personalities, and that's what makes it fun. And that's why, like I had somebody ask the other day, doesn't it get old doing the same thing over and over every day? And I'm like, no, I switch it up, and and the different personalities of the kids that come in. It, it changes you as a person because you never know. Like you can get a kid that comes in that has a that has a problem that they can't they can't help. It's just they were born with it. But do you do, do you let it hinder them? No, you just keep pushing them just like you push anybody else. But you build a relationship to where you can push them. Yeah. Because if you just do it and don't have that relationship, they're gonna resent you and they're not gonna like it. But if you build a relationship, then. I mean, they'll be okay, and they'll they'll work harder. Or you understand different methods and ways of how to challenge a kid. I had twin brothers come in. One of them had a, has a problem. One doesn't. The kid that has a problem was doing just fine. The other brother wasn't feeling it that day. I said, you know what? He's had a bad day. I put him in the front of a drill. And I said, all right, here's the deal. If your brother catches you, you got to do 20 push-ups. And I told the other brother, if you don't catch him, you got 10 push-ups. The kids, the whole rest of the workout changed for that kid just from that. And I'm just like, you're a competitor. You like to compete. So let's compete. But don't like, don't come in and drag one day because every day is a day that you should be getting better. And I got a sign being made that, you know, tell them, like, we, we want to go the extra mile each day, but we also want to get 1% better every day. And if you can do that, then, I mean, it's, it's limitless to what, what can happen and who can stop you. So this Warrior Academy and Leap Athletics, is that right? Yeah, Leap Athletics. Lowry, uh, Lowry's Elite Agility Performance. Mm. And it's uh, – I mean, it's in White County in Cleveland, where my hometown is. And Warrior Academy is my I work at. It's the alternative. It's the alternative school. So, I mean, I hear kids talk about all kinds of different stuff on a daily basis, and I kind of just sit back. I, I mean, I I hear it, and I'll finally speak up on it, and just be like, "Man, is that what you want out of your life, or is that what?" You think your parents won't like? Is that gonna make your parent happy? But then you get in situations where, I mean, it's it's a lot in the world today. The parents aren't around. It's the grandparents or the great grandparents raising the kids, and that's they're raising the kids. They're but they don't they're not controlling them. They're not, you know, able to set an example for the kid because they're doing just they're doing all they can just to raise the kids and. I mean, it's that that that's the hardest thing to see. Like honestly, like having a at the school, you you sit there and you have these intakes to meet people, and 
the great grandparent walks in at you know eighty something, ninety something years old with cancer, and you know, and I'm like, you're you're kidding. But but somebody steps up for the kid, and the kid doesn't doesn't you know want to step up for themselves. Yeah. Did went back to the archives a little bit once Jalen said you was coming on and, and found that UK Athletics bio and they had just little stuff they asked you at the end and it said other than the NFL said your dream job is mentor or coach so you can check those boxes because you're doing that right now uh, said you couldn't live without your family and friends you can witness any event, past, present, or future. You said the Jordan flu game with sideline passes. So what is it about that that flu game that makes you wish you could have been there courtside? It's just it's legendary. And you have kids nowadays even that that think, oh, I got I got a cold. I'm gonna go out here and have a Jordan flu game performance. And I'm like, no, you're not. I know you're not. It's not gonna happen. Don't say that ever again. But I mean, it's just stuff like that. That I mean, you you just and we kind of like we, everybody saw the documentary. I'm assuming that came out the you know the ten the ten episodes with the uh, with the bulls and the the last dance, and it's just. I mean, you see the kind of drive that, that Jordan had and, and what he put his body through and all that. And it was just like he it took him being cut or told no one to two times. And he kind of realized, like, I got to do this, this and this to to prove these people wrong. Well, he did. He did more than prove them wrong. And can't nobody argue with who the greatest player ever is like. There's debates that come up all the time, and I'm the biggest LeBron fan in the world. Like I love LeBron. Like I've always, like once he he hit the market, I was following, watching all the games, and like I can't. Who me and Tay Nellums, Tay Nellums that played at Kentucky too. He uh he graduated two years before me, or and uh, played safety and corner. He, I mean, he, me and him, two big LeBron fans. We'd go. We'd be out together. We'd watch the games, or he'd come to my apartment, or vice versa, and we'd watch the games. And I mean, we still to this day text each other highlights and stuff about LeBron, and just keep in touch. And uh, I mean, just Jordan is. There's a reason that everybody aspires to be like him, or or wants to be like him. I mean, it's just. You can't, you can't stop greatness, and that's what he was. And he continues to thrive. I mean, whether it's just selling gear or shoes, or he's got his own golf course. He's got, you know, motorcycles. He's got. I mean, he created his own brand, and he's thrived off of it ever since. And it, he's made more through that brand than he had through his, you know. NBA career altogether. So, I mean, I think that's huge. But yeah, I would, I, if I could go back and watch somebody that 
they've, you know, just struggled, you know, to catch the breath. They needed fluids after fluids, and, and they go out there and put it all on the line and do what he did. But yeah, that that's impressive. Yeah. It's almost like uh, Patrick Mahomes going out there the other night playing on a bum ankle, high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. A little different. Yeah, you got eleven other players that can help you, but and the last thing you said, uh, you said you, people might not know that you said you were from the country. You like hunting and four wheeling, so you still get to hunt and hit the four wheeling. now that you, <laughs> <laughs> you still get. Look, to I, I got I got guns. I ain't been hunting. It's it's too cold for me. I don't got time for that. I'm gonna be honest. I don't got time for it. But if I get, I get an opportunity to get on four wheeler, I'm on one. But yeah, I mean, I I like being out and hanging out with my friends, and that's that's like my friends. We go squirrel hunting, we go rabbit hunting, we you know go out and shoot deer here and there, and that's that's just stuff that we would do. So you know, I enjoyed it because. It was more than anything. It was more time that I got to spend with my friends and and you know create memories. And I uh, I actually lost one of my best friends. April will be two years. He got he got ran over in in Atlanta one night, and uh, I I won't forget getting that phone call. I was up, you know, I was up by myself. Uh, one night, I got the phone call that he got hit by a car and got ran over and died. And I was like, there's no way. I, just, I thought the kid was invincible. Mm. And it was just one of those things like, man, this, that's crazy that that happened. And, but, man, all the, all the different memories we all had as friends and relationships that we had together and stuff, man, it was, it was huge. And, uh, I mean, just one of those things you you cherish for for a lifetime. So, sure, thanks, sure. You did any hunting down in Montgomery, Jalen? No, nah, man, don't hunt. But uh, at least I, I haven't yet. But uh, definitely like to shoot guns, though. Yeah. I ain't been fishing. It's been it's been like two months since I've been fishing, man. I'm with Ashley on that one, man. That cold weather, <laughs> man. When you're dealing with water and cold weather, man, I don't know. <laughs> it's it tough, but um. But yeah, I like to fish, man. I, you know, I like to get on the water uh, when I can. Uh, catch, you know, catch some bass, some crappie, yeah. you know, some something slight. Good eating fish, right there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 You know, kind of things that he's experienced at Kentucky, and his kind of, uh, kind of how he see Kentucky football now. I think it was cool. I think it's always good to have, uh, you know, have some guys on here who can kind of give a, a inside view or inside peek, or kind of, uh, you know, you know, kind of peek inside the blinds of what's happening in Kentucky football and what has happened in the past and how did they get to where they are. So, uh, again, appreciate that and. Um, yeah, man, it's been it's always it's always good to hop on. Yeah, man, enjoyed it, man. Enjoy getting to know you a little bit, and like Jalen said, hear the background, hear the stories, and man, we get 
close to the season or the season get going, we'd definitely have to have you back on if you want to hop back on with us, man. We definitely enjoy it. Oh, yeah, man, for sure. I appreciate y'all having me, man. And anytime y'all y'all reach out, I'll be I'll be here. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, for Ashley Lowry, Jalen Whitlow, my name is Vinny Hardy. It's been another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Y'all go get it wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe. You know, follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends about it. And we'll be back next week uh, with another episode for everybody. So till then, everybody stay safe. We'll holler at y'all next Wednesday. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.